Welcome to the Kingdom Life Podcast from All Saints Community Church. This is where we talk about all things related to life with God in His Kingdom. My name is Connie Willems, and today I'm talking with Brock Bingaman about something called watchfulness. Welcome, Brock. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're going to talk about something that we've touched on briefly, but maybe not recently, and that's the idea of watchfulness. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. What person does not need to control their thoughts more? Is that what watchfulness is? Yeah, watchfulness. What we're going to get to is the challenge of controlling our thoughts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at uh, a mysterious person, a Christian from Jerusalem named St. Hesychius, and we think he's from the 8th or 9th century, and his name, Hesychius, is a a Greek word that means stillness, Hmm. and so he is one of the fathers from the Eastern Orthodox Church who wrote on this, and he was also a biblical commentator, so he spent time daily in the scriptures, reading them, praying them, practicing them, and he gives to us the gift of a chapter called On Watchfulness and Holiness. Now, why did you call him mysterious? Uh, We just don't know a lot about him. It's not like we can pull out biographical details. We know that he was a priest and a monk, and he devoted his life to studying the scriptures and following Jesus and learning about prayer and teaching other people. And thankfully, we have some of his writings. We're going to be looking at that today. So let's jump right in with laying the foundation for what watchfulness is, because you've said it's the most important discipline for you for right now. Yes. And I would urge for everyone. So Mm -hmm. I just think it's, when we look at it, the biblical roots, you'll see that It really is. It's coming straight from the scripture. So we're going to look at three things today. And the first one is watchfulness. And we'll look at two others. But this is kind of the the fountain from which the others flow. But watchfulness in biblical language is Proverbs 4.23. The writer of Proverbs says in 4.23, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So Solomon is saying here, Watch over your heart. Guard your heart. Be vigilant in this. Why? The next line. Because from it flow the springs of life. So he's saying if you will guard your heart, wonderful clear water can Mm -hmm. flow from it through the grace and mercy and love of God, the presence of God. If not, it can get polluted. So... That's an Old Testament example of watchfulness, guarding, being vigilant over your heart. Paul, 1 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, Paul is talking about, actually let's read it, 4 and 5. He's talking about the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God. And this is the key line. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought. That actually sounds impossible when I think about that. Yeah. I have a zillion thoughts in one day. And you're not alone, right? That's the human experience, right? To have a zillion, maybe a bajillion, as you said (laughs) earlier a constant stream of thoughts coming at us. So Paul is encouraging the Christians. And where there's a command, an injunction in Scripture, it's a promise every single time. So Paul is not setting the bar so high that none of us can attain to it. Now say that again. When there's a command, there's a promise. There's a promise. So we could read this at verse 5, the end, because of the grace of God, because Mm -hmm. of the mercy of God, because of the indwelling Holy Spirit church at Corinth, church in Oklahoma City, you can take every thought captive to obey Christ. That feels a lot different. Yes. Because of grace, grace. this pathway is open to me. That's right. And this man who we're not sure exactly when and where he lived, 
He's telling us how we go about doing that. That's right. That's right. Incredibly practical. So he's a man of the book, meditates on the Bible every day. And so he's going to give us practical instructions on how to actually do this. So how does he say to do it? Well, and let me just read in his own words. We're reading from a book called the Philokalia, and it's a Greek word that means love of the beautiful. We're not going to go into that right now, but St. Hesychius is right smack in the middle of the first volume, and there's four volumes. And again, this is on watchfulness and holiness. And he says, watchfulness is a spiritual method which, if regularly practiced over a long period, completely frees us with God's help from impassioned thoughts, words, and evil actions. That's quite a claim. Quite a claim. So based on his meditation on the scriptures, including that Proverbs 4.23 and 2 Corinthians 10, he's saying we can actually have freedom with God's help, by God's grace, from negative thoughts from demonic thoughts, from things that would lead us away from the knowledge of God. We can do this. Then he says on page 163, again in the same writing, watchfulness is a continual fixing and halting of thoughts at the entrance to the heart. We talked about this in All Saints some time ago. It's a very vivid word picture, isn't it? So he's saying this whole thing we're talking about is as simple as, what, what, read that thing again. It's worth reading over yeah. and over, isn't it? <laughs> again, St. Hesychius says this, watchfulness is a continual fixing and halting of thought at the entrance to the heart. So he's picturing my heart as if it has an entryway and thoughts are coming toward me. That's right. And he's saying, I'm guarding that entrance against whatever thought is coming in. Yes, you are the guard. You are the sentinel at the gate of your heart. And all day long, you've got guests trying to visit. Or enemies trying to come in. That's right. And it could be they're tricky. You know, sometimes those thoughts come and appear to be good and positive. You have to frisk them. I think I remember you saying that, Connie, at (laughs) All Saints. We are frisking the thoughts as they come in. We are taking them captive, as Paul said, to the obedience of Christ. Are you here to lead me into obedience to Jesus and a deeper walk with him or not? If you are, you can come in. If not, I'm kicking you out. I'm guarding this gate. My example of that, actually, my picture is I keep thinking of the TSA checkpoint at the airport, where when I come up, They ask me to show my identification. Who am I? They make me empty my pockets. They send me through um, an x-ray. They examine everything I'm carrying. And I'm thinking, okay, if I examine a thought like that that's coming toward me and saying, who are you? What are you carrying? Empty your pockets, thought. (laughs) Show me what you got in there. Um, And I'll see if you can gain entrance and start taking up residence in my mind or not. Yeah. Now, if you're listening, you think, oh my gosh, that is a whole lot of work to do for each thought. That's true. But Hesychius will say, you've got to devote, take the long view here. Don't think, I'm going to get this down. I'm going to master this in a week or a month. He is saying, take the long view. Think in terms of weeks, months, years, and developing these habits And by the grace of God, you can do this. But it requires some dedication. So give me an example of what it looks like. What kind of, just give me an example of a thought coming toward us that we'd go, eh, I'm not going to let you in. Well, I, I think our listeners out there, I would even encourage them right now to think of what's the last thought you knew that was coming and knocking on the gate of your heart. And you knew this is not. This is not good. This is not from the Lord. This is not helpful. This draws me away from Jesus rather than bringing. So I want them to just think about that for a moment. This is why some of the early monastic writers came up with like the eight vices, which became later on the seven deadly sins. They studied the human makeup and saw our weak points at which the enemy attacks us. 
And so they developed methods of prayer and meditation on scripture to counter each of those. So it may be anger, it may be lust, it may be comparing yourself to someone else. I mean, we have a wide range of thoughts. And they looked at these categories and said, here's the kind of categories that these tempting thoughts tend to fall in. Pride, comparing yourself, thinking more of yourself, greed, wanting something that you don't have. I would add in our modern world, fear. Yeah, um, there's all kind of temptations yes. to fear, dread, anxiety, um, self-hatred. Yeah. And these are thoughts. If I look at those kind of thoughts, they're carrying depression or regret mm-hmm. or bitterness yeah. or anger in their pockets. Their pockets are full. Yeah. Right? So here's, here, it really is this simple though. Hesychius is saying it. Paul is saying it. The writer of Proverbs we're not left to just stand at the gate and guard. We have to be in the Word of God. So that's going to be the next thing that Hesychius talks about. The so first... once I recognize the thought coming toward me. So here's an example. So last week, I kind of caught myself with this, hey, remember that thing that person did? I can't believe they did that thing. How could they do a thing like that? And I was starting to get upset about the thing the person did. Yeah. I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say yeah, that right. thing brought it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the so that thing was the person did. So there you have this, and it's just presenting itself like, hey, Connie, think about this. Yeah. Hey, I'm guys to think about. Why don't you take me in? Mm-hmm. So there it is. So what would Hesychius say to me with that? He would say, because you've been practicing this some, do you recognize it? Can Mm. you see it? Can you smell it? This is not a productive thought that's coming. So close the door to it. Now, what if that person really did do the thing? Well, you can dwell on that, meditate on that, but see how that goes. Hmm. Give yourself to that for two, five, 10 minutes and see. I mean, you're in the dumps. So this is very practical as well. You can open yourself up to new wounds or old wounds, but Hesychius is going to encourage you to close the door and turn to Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, he has something. So we've looked at watchfulness, right? Mm -hmm. That is just your awareness that there is a battle going on. I've just got my eyes open and I'm watching. Yes. The parade of thoughts coming through my mind. That's right. And recognizing that you actually have an internal city that you're guarding. Okay. That is watchfulness. Otherwise, you don't even know you you are in a battle. And friends who are out there listening, you are in a battle. You are in war. And you can either learn to guard your heart or the gates to the city of your heart are open and you will experience an onslaught. So based on what we've seen in scripture and what Hesychius is pointing out, wake up. Wake up to the idea of being watchful. You can either be watchful or not. Because you're going to have the stream of thoughts. It yes. is going, there's no way to turn it off. Hesychius yeah. is living long before technology was even invented and he struggled with it. Yes. So how much for, more in today's world? Oh yeah, this, this is why this is so pertinent for all of us. Young people, I think in the future, will be flocking to this. So if the church can really tap into this, and learning about biblical meditation, which is what we're going to talk about here in a minute. I think we're just, we're going to have a solution for a massive growing problem. And I think young people are going to say, I have got to learn to be watchful, how to guard the eyes, how to guard my heart, because I am, I have a constant stream, a constant onslaught of images and temptations coming at me all the time. So if the church can learn to practice this and help train and equip, especially our young people, and again, I'm not leaving the older people out because we struggle with the same things, but we've got to focus on teaching and training them because we're just at the beginning of what this technology looks like. Yeah. Let's try VR and things like that. So yeah, the, so the second thing is called counter speaking. 
Okay. So our first thing is watchfulness. The I second thing is counter speaking. He also calls it rebuttal. What does he mean by that? Can you think of, and I'm going to ask the people that are listening, can you think of a place in the life of Jesus where he would counter speak, where someone would come to him and he would have to practice rebuttal or counter speaking? Because he's the master. I mean, he's really, Paul looked to him, Hesychius looked to him, all of the great people worth reading in scripture and outside of scripture are looking to him as the master of the spiritual life and watchfulness. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the temptation. He's out in the desert. He hasn't eaten um, for 40 days. He's susceptible and... Satan comes to him and starts planting thoughts that are really attractive. Yes, because he's the God-man, right? He's fully human, yeah, and he's fully God at the same time. So part of him being our high priest is in that moment, it's not pretend, it's not fake temptation. It is deep, real, human, physical, embodied temptation. He's got Satan himself coming to him. And it's temptation that's attaching to his identity. If you are the son of God, then. So think about that. Jesus is practicing watchfulness. And we don't know how Satan appeared to him and what that looked like. But it was deep and it was real and it was warfare. And he was being watchful. He was being vigilant. And so how did he, as these temptations came to him, How did he respond? He pulled from a deep well. My father says something different. That's right. Than what you're saying. Yeah. So he says, it is written three times. And so Hesychius would say, counter speaking, this act of rebuttal when temptation comes, you're saying it is written in the face of it. So here you are guarding your heart. Here's Jesus giving us an example a temptation, a thought comes, and we respond by saying it is written, and we quote a scripture. And so Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy, and we're not going to go into it, but the point is he has specific promises of scripture hidden in his heart for that moment, and he gives us an example of Psalm 119, 9 and 11. How can a person keep their way pure by having the word of God hidden in their heart. So he's illustrating that at this moment, and then he speaks it out. And he has something that he has taken in over time, and he says, I am not attuned to these thoughts. I am attuned to the revelation of God, and that's going to set my entire grid. And so I'm going to Scripture and saying, I'm going to ground myself in God's reality. Yes. And then I have that to attach to. That's right. And it's a sword, right? The word of God is living and active, and it's a sword. So Jesus has lengthened and sharpened and learned to wield his sword. And so we get to see him do that in that moment through rebuttal or counter speaking. And again, let's simplify this. This doesn't mean that we have to memorize you know, huge sections of scripture. And you, we're taking the long view but we got to practice tomorrow in this. And so this is where Hesychius and others would observe in Jesus. He had arrow prayers ready to go. What's an arrow prayer? It's a line of scripture. It's not, you know, a full text, but it's a line or two that you use to counter those darts or attacks of the enemy. How do you get those prayers? Where do they come from? Well, I think you need to spend time. You need to invest time daily in the Lord's presence at his feet. And I was talking with someone about this yesterday, and the lights were just turning on for him. He's reading in the Psalms right now. So we opened Psalm 9 and read the first 10 verses. And I said, I want you to read this. We're going to read it out loud. And then what is a verse or a line that reaches out and just kind of pokes you in the heart? or stands out to you. And we found one. And so he began to pray that to God. He began to turn that and just pray those exact words to the Father. 
and then sit quietly for a moment. And the next thing he knew, he had a couple of lines memorized. And I said, there's your arrow prayer. And you can use that for the rest of the week. Very practical. Mm. So I think this just, this counter speaking is the words of scripture. So what is an arrow prayer that you're using these days to counter speak? One of my favorites is in Leviticus 19. I think it's verse two. So if I have a thought coming at me, um, I will quote Leviticus 19 that says, I, the Lord, your God, am holy, and you shall be holy. Or you could even say it, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And so if I have various thoughts coming at me, that pretty much encompasses many of the temptations that would come, I will speak that out. And I might even verbally say it if I'm on my car, if I, wherever I am, but I also have trained my mind to say it inwardly. So that thought comes to the gate and once in, and if it's not the kind of thought that I want to let in, I will say, and I may even say, Lord, you're holy. And because you're holy, I will walk in holiness. I will walk in holiness in my thoughts because of your holiness pouring into my life. You've clo- So that, that's it. It's a, it's a kind of a, a mental inner method that mm. happens throughout the day. Now, what about a thought that's not coming to you kind of out of the blue, but it is a thought that is just in you and has been there for years? Well, it's a great question. This is why Hesychius and others and biblical writers, Paul, for that matter, would talk about having a spiritual mother or father, someone you can go to and open your heart up. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the pain, and share those things openly. Let someone else in to see and hear and be known and confess and repent of those things. So spiritual father, fathers and mothers, spiritual direction, inner healing. Yeah. Prayer, we have the inner healing and deliverance ministry. Sometimes you've got to go and sit with someone for a good season, eight weeks of sharing those things. And they would call that the manifestations of thoughts of just coming to someone and being able to say, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's in me. Here's what my inner life is like. Mm-hmm. And I can't combat this on my own. That's right. Because really none of us can. I think we all have to have someone that we share our deepest selves with, someone we can go and in Protestant circles, you know, it's your accountability person, someone you can confess to, it's your confessor, your confidant. And that's that's really, really important. And unfortunately, we oftentimes lose that. We're so ashamed. Mm. We don't turn to God with our stuff, and we don't turn to one another with our stuff. But in this method, for lack of a better word, we actually turn to God. If you've got darkness in your heart, you've let some of those things in, you turn you turn to the Lord rather than away from the Lord, and you receive his mercy and let his light shine in. So what we're talking about is a practice that you engage in over time, sometimes to clear out some backlog. There's some things you're going to need other people for, and then staying current and staying clean and healthy in your thoughts we're talking about practices that begin to do that and begin to chip away. So this is none of this is a flash in the pan, do it for a week, and there you are. That's right. That can be disheartening to some people. Mm. but It feels hopeful to me. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> if someone wants to get in shape, you know, if they've, during COVID, they've just not been active and junk food and all. Uh, will you has usually, that happened to people? No, no <laughs> certainly not. Um Certainly not me. Not right? any Sitting of us. on the couch, yeah. and so in order to deal with that, you got to take a walk. You got to yeah. get out, and move a little bit. You don't just do a five k, and then start eating spinach alone. I mean, you you have to ease your way into uh, physical fitness, and the same is true for inner life fitness and spiritual fitness. It it takes time, and you do it in increments. But you've got to say, Lord, help me do this. I rely on your grace, but give me endurance and determination. And he most certainly will. He wants this more than we do. He wants this for us. What's the, um, you know, when I think about eating the spinach, like in and of itself, I happen to 
like the taste of spinach, but so that's probably <laughs> not the weird. best. <laughs> I know, really strange. <laughs> but there's a lot of things I do, not because I the thing itself is so attractive, but because I want something that it's going to get me. Mm-hmm. So what is the thing this gets us that makes it worth engaging in it over the long haul? Why don't you come up with an answer? <laughs> and then I will too. My simple answer is life. So I think of these thoughts that come toward me carrying dread or despair or arrogance or depression or pride or whatever in their pockets. And if I take that in, bits and pieces of my heart start to die off. And I have to live with me. You know, every once in a while somebody has said to me, Connie, why don't you take a vacation? And I have looked at them and said, if I take a vacation, I go with me. Right. We're with ourselves. I can't take a vacation from me. And so I then have to live with an inner life that is full of pitfalls and tar and different kinds of torment and churning and... um, replaying wrongs that have happened. And that is not an enjoyable inner life. So this gets you out. This gets me out into the fresh air Mm -hmm. and it gets me out into a place of life because I look at the thoughts God brings and they always are cleaner and more open and Mm -hmm. larger and my soul can breathe. And it feels good to wake up at three in the morning and not go into a churn inside in my thoughts and go to a clean place. That's pretty compelling. That's a serious upshot or fruit of this life, fresh air. I would just add an aspect to it is deeper friendship with Jesus Mm. and divine purpose that comes with that and a clean conscience too. So, but Oftentimes, we're enticed by various things, and because we're not connected to divine purpose, we're susceptible. So I've shared some about our desert season that we were in, seven years, really, really tough stuff. And because we weren't connected to our divine purpose, we were vulnerable to just embattlement in the mind. And so if you are connected to what God is creating you for, and that is intimacy with him, but it's serving other people and those things, then those distractions or demonic thoughts that come hold less appeal. You're like, I am too preoccupied with the person of Jesus. He's working in me and through me. I'm seeing his work, and I actually don't want to take several steps back. I don't want to open the floodgates and let these things come in. I can remember the first times that I began to think, oh, if I go there mentally, it's going to break my friendship with Jesus. Yeah. And well, I don't want to interrupt that. It's, it's just it. not worth it to me. It's not worth it. Now, Connie, we haven't said this, and I know we have to be sensitive about this, but it's one of those items in the room that we have to acknowledge. We mentioned technology earlier, pornography. Mm. And so those people that are listening and you know, maybe 30 years ago, it was more of a male issue or something. But the truth is, for the young people, I talk with youth pastors, it's unreal, the exposure to pornography that's out there. And I was speaking with someone recently, and they said, really, I'm finding about age 11 wow. that this exposure happens to the guys and the gals. And so what I want to say to people is, this is the way out of pornography an addiction to pornography and, or it may not even be full blown pornography. It's just addiction to the phone and images and whatever it is. You're obsessed with looking at other people's lives on Facebook or Instagram. This is the way out by being watchful and learning to counter speak and have the word of God hidden in your heart, biblical meditation and turning to Jesus. This is the solution. Again, this is why I think We're in a moment now, but even more in the future, people will be coming to the church and saying, my mind is just blown up. I'm even almost post-sexual because I've just opened the gates and I'm gutted. Mm. I'm gutted as a human being and I need healing. I need restoration. I need peace. I'm I'm a living trash dump. 
And so here we are looking at the scriptures and looking at St. Hesychius and his teaching on watchfulness and holiness. And it's incredibly helpful. Hmm. A living trash dump is a vivid picture, but I think you're right. Like internally something dissolves to the point where it's just mental torment and that living trash dump. And we're saying that can become the place of life and relationship and communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and a live garden instead of that trash dump. Teresa Vavala was meditating, and she wrote this, and she said, Lord, my life was a manure pile, Hmm. and you turned my manure pile into a garden. And that is what Jesus can do. He can take each of us, our inner lives, our thought lives, and turn the manure pile into a beautiful garden. Plant flowers, and the next thing we know, we're new. Yeah. And that's just what he does. Which leads us to the third point Yeah, here. we've talked about watchfulness, rebuttal with Scripture through counterspeaking, but this is a more immediate way of going there. And I, I think it's Hesychius. He says, you throw the name of Jesus into the middle of these thoughts and watch what happens. What page is that? Is oh that my right? goodness, yeah, I don't you're know. right there. But that's he, that's exactly right. He calls yeah. it a torch, a flaming torch. He calls it a sword. It's almost like a, one of those whiz-bang bombs that somebody throws in. And What a great word. So the Jesus yeah. <laughs> prayer is a whiz-bang bomb. Now, yeah. Hesychius and others will say that the Jesus prayer is a primary way of counter-speaking because it is a prayer that brings together various words of Scripture. It's ten words. And what are those words? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And that is really the original form of it, and we'll talk about where that comes from. A later edition was a sinner. So it was Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. That's the 10 words. But then later on, it was added a sinner. At the I, end of it. Yes. Okay. And I, I pray the 10 the word prayer. Mm. And there are some times where I'll pray that just to, as a reminder, and it's not uh, self-flagellating or I'm not, oh, woe is me. I'm actually just reminded, like Paul said at the end of his life, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the foremost among sinners, but the grace of God has worked mightily in me. So it's just a reminder that, yes, we are saints. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Christ makes us holy, but at the same time, we're sinners in progress. And it's just a reminder of our mortality and our need for Jesus. But I pray the 10 words. That's what I, and I will say this, this prayer, this threefold practice, but this prayer has changed my life. How is that? Well, first of all, when did you start praying it? I really, I came across it years ago, but then really in 06 is where I came in contact with the Philokalia and the Jesus Prayer and began to practice it. So about 15 or 16 years ago. Yes. Yeah. And what attracted you to say, I want to start actually practicing, not just read about it, but I'm going to do this? need, a place of need. And what was interesting, getting introduced to it before the desert season that Amanda and I were in, I I would pray it even in very dark moments, dark night of the soul, but coming out of that, thank the Lord, I I cling to the name of Jesus through the day. And I'm even finding now, because I don't sleep that well, even in the night, it and Hesychius and others will say, if you practice this, it will take on a life of its own inside your heart. And have you discovered that? I've discovered that. And again, I'm a novice. I've been doing this for those years, but I still feel like I'm in first grade and there's mm-hmm. always something new. And so some people might say, well, that is uh, rote. Yeah, because it sounds that you're just repeating 10 words or something. Yes, and people have been to an Anglican, a Catholic, maybe an Orthodox liturgy, and you've heard people pray, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. But I have just found the prayer goes to work. 
And what I've learned from these great writers is that you're calling on a living person, the mm -hmm. most powerful, beautiful, gracious person who's ever lived, the resurrected Jesus. So there's no other name you could call on that's stronger and more capable of delivering you. They call it the invocation of the holy name, mm. calling on the holy name. So really the Jesus prayer is just a way, a practical way to call on Jesus throughout the day. And you probably don't know this because I haven't said this to you, but I will hear you under your breath as you're walking in a hallway mm -hmm. and I'll hear a piece of the Jesus prayer and I'm like, oh, Brock's praying the Jesus prayer. Because he needs it. Yeah. So what, what they'll say, Hesychius talks about it and others, is if you'll verbalize it and you'll speak it out, speak it out loud in the car, wherever you can, go on a walk, and then you can say it quietly, and then it takes root in your heart, and your heart will begin to pray it. While so you're I'm, going I'm, about your we're life. in conversation right now, and I'm looking at the piece of paper you're holding, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at the headphones, and it's praying inside mm. of me right now. And I'm not verbalizing it, my thoughts are with you completely in what we're doing, and yet it's, it's, it's what they say. They say, if you'll do it, you'll verbalize it, you'll think it, you'll cling to Jesus through prayer. It will become an inner prayer that will pray. And what they're not saying is you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so that's that place of this back and forth with the Holy Spirit that is active and alive. Yeah. Jesus said rivers of living water will flow from you. And it is, there's an aliveness that's, that's taking right. place with God inside of you as an undercurrent that's right. of life. It's a great point, Connie. It's a Trinitarian prayer. So some people would say not only is it rote or boring or maybe too Catholic for Protestants, it's really not. I mean, I don't care if you're Catholic, you're Anglican, you're Orthodox, you're, you're Protestant. Who among all those streams does not need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus through the day? All of us. That's what binds us together, right? Calling on the name of Jesus for salvation and deliverance and transformation. But it's a Trinitarian prayer. Now, how is that? Because it only has the name of Lord Jesus Christ in it. Yeah. So, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. So, you've got the name of God in there, mm -hmm. for one. So, he is a son of God. He is a son of the Father. So, the prayer can open up all kinds of things to you. You can turn to Jesus and pray, you know, you are the Son of God. You're the beloved of the Father. And... I am too. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. So it opens up to interaction with the Father as well. He's also Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Who anoints him? The Spirit of God. He is the Messiah. He is Jesus who saves. He is the Christos. He's the Christ, the anointed one by the Holy Spirit. So again, when you pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, it draws you into interaction with the Holy Trinity. And that have mercy on me part, what is the mercy that I'm inviting God to flood into me? Yeah, so you're not begging for it. Jesus, I'm twisting your arm right now. I need your attention and I need you to give me mercy. No, you're getting under the waterfall of his mercy that's flowing. Each day, there's new mercy. And so by praying the Jesus prayer, you're saying, I am inching my way over to that waterfall, and I'm getting under the waterfall of his mercy. You're opening the mouth of your heart and saying, I'm drinking in your mercy. And there's nothing like his mercy, right? Mm. Nothing like it. It's yeah. unending. Now, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, we're talking about the Jesus prayer in an ongoing way of what it does. But it relates to watchfulness and counter-speaking as well in the moment. And Hesychius said, this is um, like throwing the bomb in the middle of the moment. Whenever we are filled with evil thoughts, we should throw the invocation of our Lord Jesus Christ into their midst. Then, as experience has taught us, we shall see them instantly dispersed like smoke in the air. Once the intellect is left to itself again, we can renew our constant attentiveness and our invocation. 
Whenever we are distracted, we should act in this way. So throwing the holy name of Jesus into the stew of thoughts. Yeah. And watch what happens. Friends, I mean, whatever the thoughts are that you deal with, try calling on the name of Jesus. And again, this is the arrow prayer of all arrow prayers. This is a way to counter speak and to rebut when the enemy is coming at you. And again, I want to talk about this. It's grounded in scripture. So they didn't just make up these 10 words. They are 10 words taken from Holy Scripture. Luke 18 gives an example in the life of Jesus where he's walking along and people appeal to him. A blind man appeals to him and calls him the son of David. And he says, have mercy on me. And so some of these early church fathers and desert fathers saw that interaction and they said, that is so beautiful. And so eventually they put that in this Jesus prayer. And there are other examples as well. I think it was the prayer of the publican in that same passage where this humble man was saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And so that's a powerful part. But it's also, you could just look, wherever the name of Jesus is mentioned in scripture, that's part of what the Jesus prayer is. So Philippians 2, 6 to 11, toward the end there, 10 and 11, the name above all names is given to Jesus because of his obedience to the Father and emptying himself. So you're calling on the most exalted person, most exalted name in all the universe. So it's taking you into different aspects of scripture and the description of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm learning to even like savor each word. So early on, I would just kind of say it. And I had someone um, encourage me to just to use that to help my mind descend into my heart. You know, it's interesting as I'm listening to you talk about bringing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ into the midst of what's going on. I'm realizing that often when I get into a thought spiral of some kind um, and I'm starting to get myself in a bad place, how often God has said to me, Connie, where am I in that? This thing you're picturing or you're worrying about or you're mulling over, where am I in that conversation? And I've had to say, uh, you're not in there. (laughs) (laughs) You you are not part of that picture. And everything changes when Jesus is part of the picture. Mm -hmm. So throwing the name of Jesus in isn't just some talisman or kind of, I don't know, we're just grabbing words and randomly throwing him in there. We're inviting the presence of of the Lord of the universe, the healer of all things, the giver of good gifts into the middle of the thing that's troubling us. And that changes that we're inviting resurrection into the middle of a place that has no life. That's right. Deliverance is here. Yeah. So call on the name of Jesus. And there really is not a single tactic, a single temptation that the enemy can bring, that the name of Jesus will not counter. And again, we've got to, we're clinging to him. We're not clinging to a prayer. We're not clinging to the words. It's him. And these are the words of scripture. So the beauty of this prayer is some of us will be new to reading and praying the Bible and learning to take arrow prayers and putting them in the quiver of our heart. That might be new. That might take some time, but all of us, can commit to memory these 10 words. And so it can always be a sword at your side. And so I have found, I do, I want to meditate on scripture each day and I want to have an arrow prayer, but this one is always there. So if the day is particularly noisy and crazy and I can't remember what my meditation was from Psalm 143, I got the Jesus prayer ready to go. And so I'm turning to him inwardly because he dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. I'm not searching and groping out there. He is the exalted Lord of the universe, but he indwells you. He indwells me. So I'm turning inwardly and praying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And he does. Mm. So we've gone from watchfulness, the idea of just paying attention to our thoughts, frisking them, seeing what they carry, 
to learning how to counterspeak, to say it is written and pull out those error prayers from scripture and say, nope, not going there. This is going to counterspeak it to this more fundamental, ongoing way of bringing the life and relationship of God into the um, undercurrent of our hearts and our thoughts in an ongoing way. That's right. And it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because where Jesus is, you see the Father. And where Jesus is, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is there. So I would encourage people, we're in kind of a quick fix context, aren't we? So I would encourage people to think in terms of 30 days. Like, if you're interested in this, give it at least 30 days, write notes around your house, set your phone, do something that can remind you of time to be watchful, time to counter speak, and I'm going to use the Jesus prayer. And I encourage people in the car, you know, that's often times kind of a zone that we don't really utilize. Think in terms of every time I'm in my car. And some of you live in the car because you're yeah. Ubering your <laughs> kids around. Every time I enter that space, that is Jesus prayer space. And so these moments can actually become holy training ground and speaking the Jesus prayer out and praying it inwardly. And you will find that 15 days, 30 days, 45 days, a month, six months, something begins to happen. The very life of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus begins to grow like a fire inside of you. And you find yourself clinging to him and turning to him and turning away from the things that you've given yourself to. And he's giving you life. You're abiding in him. And his word is abiding in you like John 15 talks about. I have two times in particular that I have started developing the habit of turning to the Jesus prayer. One is when I wake up overnight Mm. and my thoughts want to go somewhere. I'm working on the practice of the first place my thoughts go overnight when I wake up is the Jesus prayer. It's far more productive than anything else I would be thinking about at 3.30 in the morning. The other (laughs) thoughts that are banging on the door to get in, and we're so vulnerable there, right? So vulnerable. So you can just get thrashed in the night, but you're calling on Jesus, and you're noticing how helpful it is. It has become a refuge from the other things that can happen, and it's a productive Mm. refuge. And the other place is another vulnerable place of when I first wake up. My thoughts can just run on whatever it is for the day. And that's a vulnerable place for my soul. Mm. And if they can go to the Jesus prayer first, Mm. it gets Jesus's foot in the door of my day. Yeah. That's good stuff. David, you know, he had a lot of stress. King David did, right? Running a kingdom and having people pursue you and fighting battles. And he said, I meditate on you in the watches of the night. So... He probably would have loved praying the, the Jesus yeah. prayer had he been around for that. But it really this is immensely practical. And you know, we're looking at monks. And so Hesychius will even talk about, and others will talk about, this prayer isn't just for monks. This what we're talking about, watchfulness, counter speaking, and the Jesus prayer is not just for some special group of Christians that are extra devoted or the Navy SEALs. This is for everyone. One other uh, Desert Father says the best is for all. The Mm -hmm. best is for everyone. And really, if we want it. So do do you want freedom? Do you want deliverance? Do you want Jesus to clean up your mind and heart and set you free from whatever it is that binds you? Call on his name. Call on his name. And then whatever it was that would operate in some of these desert fathers and mothers and their devotion to Jesus and their meditation on scripture and praying continually and all of these things that seem kind of out of reach actually are within reach. And you can find yourself like these monks did, praying and meditating on the Bible no matter how busy you are. Can you just pray for the person listening who's thinking, I need to clean up my life. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, certainly. And I just as we were, as I was sharing that, I thought of Scott Duncan, dear friend who deals with numbers 
and is dealing with clients. And I remember him saying a few years back, the Jesus prayer is like blossoming for me. I am finding myself while I'm crunching numbers and meeting with clients and I am busy and I'm praying the Jesus prayer inwardly. So there really is, we can't think of an excuse. I'm too busy. I've got, I mean, the Jesus prayer can help anyone. The busiest mom who is just, you know, from the moment she gets up, maybe even through the night and you're taking care of other human beings who are very needy, the Jesus prayer can help you out. For the the man who's running a company, who's incredibly busy, for the doctor, you can pray the Jesus prayer and the mercy of Jesus can help you pray and turn to him throughout the day. So there's no one that's too busy. The Lord can can meet with us. So praying for the folks that yeah. are kind of maybe in a, a place of struggle or the trash dump. So why yeah. don't we turn to him? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. And I would encourage you, if you're listening and your heart is stirred, and maybe your heart is stirred to want to go deeper in prayer and cultivate your friendship with Jesus throughout the day, but maybe you are in a place of need and darkness and you've opened the gates of your heart open, now's the time. So I would encourage you to pray these 10 words out to Jesus right now and then try this for the next 30 days. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. So Jesus, we do, we ask for your mercy to flow even now into the hearts and minds of people that are listening. Thank you that your mercy conquers all things. Your mercy triumphs over judgment. The mercy of your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Your mercy triumphs over all things. And we receive your mercy. May this Jesus prayer take us under the waterfall of your mercy. We love you and we cling to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brock. Thank you, Connie. Well, that's all for today's episode of Kingdom Life. We're also going to put some notes and some links to maybe some of the resources that we've talked about and some information in the show notes here. So if you'd like to see some of the quotes that we've mentioned, just check that out. And if you'd like to learn more about All Saints Community Church, you can visit us at allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Thank you.